the message today is entitled The Most Difficult Decision. The Most Difficult Decision. We make choices all the time. Those choices add up and finally shape our lives and either shipwrecked us or bring us through in the blessing of God. God does not have any grandchildren. You don't ride somebody's coattails into heaven. And many are going to arrive in hell by accident. But no one will arrive in heaven by accident. It will be a result of choices made. I'll never forget. The family called me to the hospital. Grandpa was dying, they told me. And he had not yet become a Christian. They said, Pastor, would you come and make one last appeal to Grandpa that he would get right with Jesus? I said, yes, I will come. So I got there and discovered that Grandpa had made the decision to no longer receive dialysis that it was too painful, it was too hard, it was too expensive. And he told his family, I'm ready to go. I've had a full life. I have a wonderful family. I'm a burden. I'm choosing no longer to be a burden. And so I'm not going to take any more dialysis. The medical people had told him that he had about two hours left to live if he did not receive dialysis. I come in, I immediately go to his bedside. I have met with him on a number of occasions and I have spoken with him about Jesus on a number of occasions. And each time he had blown me off. He didn't want to talk about Jesus. And so I came to his bedside and I said, I understand that you are not going to receive any more dialysis. That you've made the decision to die. That's right, Pastor. And it's the right decision. Don't try to talk me out of it. I said, I'm really not concerned whether you live or die today, but I am very concerned about whether your destination brings you to hell or to heaven. And from what I have heard about from your family and from what I've observed as I have visited with you on a number of occasions,
all of the years of your life and he said I'm a brave man I told them you need to say goodbye here because you will not see him on the other side unless you decide to join him. And each of you will make the choice about whether to join him or whether to go to heaven. He was not happy with me for saying all of this in front of him. So he would not say goodbye to me as I left the room. And about two hours later, he passed. And the family called me and said, will you please do the funeral, Pastor? I said, yes, I'll be happy to do the funeral, but you need to know what I'll say. I'll say that Grandpa made the decision to go to hell. Is that all right? Well, it's real. He made the decision. Okay, then I'm going to come and talk about making the decision to go to heaven. Is that all right? Well, yes. And that's what I did. I went and encouraged the family to focus on Jesus. Now, today, I don't know if any of you have hardened your heart and have said, I've made my decision and I'm going to hell. Or if you have just not made a decision, so you're not quite sure, you won't let yourself see where you're going. And I have to tell you, there was a part of my heart that admired this man. He at least had the strength of his conviction. He at least had the courage and the manliness to say, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I would rather deal with a man like that. And you know what? Jesus may save him anyway, just because he was so stubborn. I'm very grateful that we don't make the decision where a man goes. I know Jesus loved that man. The ones Jesus has the most trouble with are the ones who hang in the middle and don't have the courage to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. They hang with the world and they hang with religion, but they never get serious about where they're going or what they're doing. They want to watch all the television. They want to watch all the movies. They want to feast on all the darkness. They want to be a part of the world. They don't want to be looked upon as someone different than the world. But then they slide over and say, but, you know, I'm a good person. I'm going to go to heaven. Are you kidding me? You don't go to heaven by accident. You go because you have made a decision to trust Jesus Christ with your heart and your life 
and you choose to enter into him. You choose to enter his rest. Now, before we go into the scripture, I want to just say this so that you can begin to pick it up as I share this message. A man's will, a man's sin, is broken at the wall of Jesus. There is the invitation to enter into the rest of God. And the scriptures say, labor, struggle, put forth every effort to enter into the rest of God. Well, what is the rest of God? Well, in scripture, the word rest means to stop, but it means more than that. The base word in the Hebrew is repose. Where do you repose? I repose in bed. The invitation of God is to enter into the bedroom of God and rest with him and cease from your own labor. Stop trying to make your own life work. Trust Jesus to make it work. And so, this is a decision we make over and over and over. I wish we could make it one time and it's done. But this is a decision that we must make over and over and over. We're faced with, okay, I'm, I'm at a very difficult juncture in my life. What am I going to do? Am I going to go in my human power and my human wisdom and my human strength and try to create something to rescue myself? Or am I going to trust in the name of the Lord? Now I'm either going to enter into his rest or I'm going to enter into my own ego and my own power and my own strength. It's as simple as that. But I want you to make the decisions conscious and stop making unconscious choices. I'm struggling in a number of areas in my life right now. In the area of church ministry, we do a radio broadcast. I go down to the radio studio, which has just been built out. It's moved. It's a brand new, beautiful radio studio downtown. I go there on Thursday. I ask the engineers, has anyone produced a radio show in this broadcast studio? And they say, no, not yet. You're the first. My heart sank. I said, okay, turn the mics on and let's see what this sound is like. They turned the mics on. I spoke into the mic, and it sounded like I was speaking into a tunnel a mile long. The sound quality was not radio quality sound. The engineers struggled to get the sound the way it needed to be for about 45 minutes. I had three minutes before I had to go on air. And I finally said, Lord, I lift my hands. I can't make it work. 
What do you want me to do? Have the engineer pull an encore broadcast. Don't go on the air. Well, I'd driven all the way downtown to the studio. I don't want to insult the radio station by telling them their sound is lousy and not radio quality. So what do I do? I trust the Lord. I didn't try to force it. My dad used to always say he was a farmer, a rancher. And he'd always say to me, Raymond, don't force it or you'll break it. Well, he was right. He was talking about hooking up the manure spreader. And I wanted to jam it because I didn't like standing still. It stunk. I wanted to get that thing hooked up and get moving so the breeze was coming in my face. Raymond, don't force it. You'll break it. I don't know about you, but I've tried to force a lot of things in my life. And I've broken a lot of things. I've broken relationships. I've broken hearts. I've broken a lot of things. And part of what the Lord is saying to me today is, don't force anything. Trust me, and I will work it out for you. Trust me. I will work it out for you. So in a number of areas in my life right now, I'm finding I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the strength, I don't have the know-how to do what needs to be done. Hi, welcome. Good to see you again. I don't have the ability to make happen what needs to happen. I can wear myself out and beat myself into exhaustion by trying to make it work and trying to make it happen. But in the end, either God is going to make it work or it's not going to work. This decision has to be made time after time. Will I or will I not entrust my life in the hands of Jesus Christ? And am I willing to enter into his bedroom and rest? Or will I kill myself with exhaustion trying to make it work the way I want to make it work? Most of my life in ministry, I've been exhausted. Because I thought I had to work hard. Well, there are times when I have to work hard. But not the exhaustion kind where you die. The kind that is obedience to the will of God as he directs your steps. Now, let's back away from all of this, and I'd like to take you to a story. It's found in the book of 2 Kings. It's very brief. It's found in the book of 2 Kings, the second chapter. Elisha has served Elijah for about 20 years. He has received a double portion of the Holy Spirit, and it's made him like an alien. 
His thinking is not the way human beings think. His actions are out of accord with the way humans act. He is a strange bird in the world. I pray God, he will make me into a strange person in this world. I don't want people to talk to me and look at me and say, wow, there's a great guy. He knows how to walk in the world and be successful. No, I don't want that. I want people to come to me and say, why are you so strange, Pastor? Why do you always want to talk about Jesus? Why are you uncomfortable when there's conversation about darkness? You know, most of my acquaintances have learned, don't ask, did you see the latest Batman movie? Because they know as soon as they ask me that, I'm going to say to them, why do you insist on feeding in the pig trough? Why do you insist on going to darkness for your food? My dad, again. He said no to me when I said, can we go to the movies with my school buddies? He said no. I said, why not? He said, Raymond, would you rather come and sit down at our table and eat a meal that our family has prepared? Or would you rather go downtown to a garbage can and see if you can dig through it and get something worth eating. I said, I don't want to eat out of the garbage can. Well, then stay out of the theater. It's a garbage can. Well, he was right. Junk in, junk out. Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, no righteousness in your life. No love of scripture. No love of Jesus. Filled with darkness. So we come to this story, and it's shocking to us. It doesn't seem very tolerant. Let me read it for you. Verse 23, 2 Kings 2, verse 23. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. And as he was walking along the road, some youths came out of the town and jeered at him. Go on up, you bald head, they said. Go on up, you bald head. He turned around and he looked at them and he called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of these youths. And he went on to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. We have in America lost all respect for God. We think we can go do what we want to do and say what we want to say. But may I tell you, the American exceptionalism that we share today, the freedoms that we share today that are being stripped away from us, came because of godly great-grandparents Men and women who were straight with the Lord God, 
men and women who did not compromise with darkness and were totally intolerant of sin. You know, my grandpa, he was a great Methodist. And grandma, my dad used to tell me stories about them. They owned a ranch in the West. He said, I've never known two more loving people than my mother and father. And I've also never known two people who were so utterly intolerant of sin. Does that seem like an oxymoron to you? If we're going to understand today what the Lord wants to say to us, we're going to have to let him build back into our hearts respect for righteousness. And we're going to have to begin to make the hard decision to trust in Jesus in every area of our lives and stop relying on our own power and our own resources. Now in the New Testament, I always pay careful attention to the words of Jesus that are speaking about what is the kingdom of heaven like. And in Matthew 13, verse 40, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why will there be weeping and gnashing of teeth? Because these are people who are Christ followers who never were willing to go all the way and enter into the rest of God, but enjoyed the sin and the wickedness of the world. And he's saying they're going to be picked up and they're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand what we're here to do today? To dedicate this little child. Well, what do we mean dedicate this little child? We mean that today we are going to pray over her and anoint her with oil and give her to Jesus. And claim her for the kingdom of heaven. Then as she grows up, she gets to make new choices and break what we do here today. But the joy of this is that the dedication is not just for this little girl. It's for grandma and grandpa. It's for un uncle and aunt. It's for family. It's for the church to dedicate you to the cause of making certain that this little girl grows up righteous, that she doesn't become a drug addict, that she doesn't end up going to prison, 
It's our responsibility to relate to her in such a way that she will love Jesus and walk clean before God. That's going to be up to Zach to take a bat and keep guys away from her that shouldn't come close. It's going to be his responsibility to give her a ring, a purity ring, that says no premarital sex, but to stand against unrighteousness and ungodliness. Right now, God is in the process of bringing a beautiful woman into my life. You know, one of the first things, like on the second date, do you know what I said to her? I need you to understand. We need to have an agreement between us that we will not engage in any premarital sex. And she got this bright smile on her face. And she said, I didn't know how to say that to you. But that's exactly what I believe. I want to be clean until we're married, if God so chooses for us a future together. Please, do you understand today? God wants a righteous and holy people. And we've got to make that decision time after time after time that we are going to enter into the rest of Jesus and not into the wickedness of this world. And we are going to stand like a wall against the filth that is flooding into America. We are losing America. Everything that was righteous years ago is now unrighteous. What was sweet years ago is now bitter. The book of Romans tells us that homosexuality is the final sign of God's judgment on a family and upon a nation as a final warning that destruction is coming upon that nation. Yes, we're called to be loving. Yes, we're called to be kind. Yes, we're called to love sinners, for which of us has not been a sinner? We're not to throw stones, but we're to speak the truth in love and say, are you willing to come and follow Jesus? Will you lay your life down for Jesus Christ? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Can you imagine what that man's wife thought 
when he came running home from the field and said, honey, we have to buy the field today, and to buy it, we're going to have to sell the house and everything we own. I'm sure she thought he'd lost his mind. And I'm sure he couldn't tell her because she'd tell the neighbor. And then the man who owned the field wouldn't sell it. But he knew the secret. There was a treasure buried in that field, and he could own the field and own the treasure if he sold everything and bought it. Jesus is that treasure. And when I buy the field, it means I have turned aside from darkness, and I have decided to enter into the rest of God. I'm going to cease from my own labor and I'm going to trust in Jesus. What decision have you made about Jesus? Every one of you has made a decision about Jesus, either consciously or unconsciously. You've decided either he is everything to your heart and you are sold out, or you have made the decision in your heart that, okay, I'll love Jesus, but I'm going to love the world too. And I'm not going to pay the price of following Jesus. I'm going to just, just slide along and see how things go. And in the end, I'll be all right. I'm a good person. You are either deceived and walking in sin, or you've been made righteous and you're in the rest of Jesus, and he is healing you of your diseases, he is removing the sins from your heart, he's dealing with you, or he's not dealing with you. Is Jesus Christ dealing with you and calling you deeper in the Spirit? And is he disciplining you and turning your heart to righteousness? Or you just row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. There's a shipwreck coming. You're either in Jesus or you're in sin. You're either trusting in your own power or you're trusting in the power of Jesus. And our characters are shaped and determined as we continually, every day, make the decision to turn from our own strength and trust in Jesus. I can't do it, but I wish I could. I wish I could come and stand in front of each one of you one by one and ask you the question, What have you decided about Jesus Christ? For it will determine where you spend eternity. And then, of course, I would have to ask you, do your behaviors agree with what you've just told me? Let's dedicate little Anastasia. God bless you all.